former Facebook executive recently said that he feels tremendous guilt about helping to create the company, while the creator of Tinder said, I feel nothing. <laughs> Interesting joke there. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. How you doing? You know, it's funny. I, uh, I have that story. Um, there was a discussion, I guess, last month at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. That's what we played the clips from, right? Is that when one of the Facebook founders said, uh, <laughs> I don't know what this is doing to kids' minds, but it can't be good or something? Is that okay. right? Yeah, I'd yeah. forgotten the source of that. This is a different guy. This is, I'm pretty sure it's a different guy. Former Facebook Vice President Chamath Palahiptaya. Hippataya. Mm, sorry, Chamath. My, oh, my lack of multiculturalism at work there. He revealed he feels, quote, tremendous guilt over his role in heading a company which is aiding the destruction of society. Well, I, if you believe that were true, I'd feel a little guilt, too. Sorry about that whole I founded a company that's destroying society, but... You know, I got options, so what would you have done? Quote, the short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops we've created are destroying how society works. Yep. Pointing to the insatiable need for hearts, likes, thumbs up. Quote, no civil discourse, no cooperation, misinformation, mistruth. And it's not an American problem. This is not about Russian ads. This is a global problem. So we are in a really bad state of affairs right now, in my opinion. It is eroding the core foundations of how people behave by and between each other. Something I've been saying from the beginning because I am prescient. What's this person's name again? His name is Chamath Palihapitaya. Was he in the movie, the Facebook movie? He's a venture capital guy, I think. Hmm. Um, I don't so, remember him from the movie. But so he's saying the same thing that that other founder, played by Justin Timberlake, was saying. Yeah, um, but in more detail. Yeah, that that's wild. He highlighted the way social media is able to manipulate mob mentality. Uh, he referred to an incident in which seven Indian people were lynched due to a WhatsApp hoax. Seven people brutally killed. Because of an internet hoax. Quote, that's what we're dealing with. And imagine taking that to the extreme, where bad actors can now manipulate large swaths of people to do anything you want. It's just a really, really bad state of affairs. And we compound the problem, right? We curate our lives around this perceived sense of perfection because we get rewarded in these short-term signals. Hearts, likes, thumbs up. And we conflate, we conflate that with value. And we conflate it with truth. And instead, what it really is is fake, brittle popularity that's short-term and leaves you even more. And admit it, vacant and empty before you did it. Because then it forces you into this vicious cycle where you're like, what's the next thing I need to do now? Because I need it back. Think about that compounded by two billion people, and then think about how people react then to the perceptions of others. Preach, brother. And so the question I've got is, is the human beast capable of adjusting to this over time, or is it going to destroy us just because of the way we're built? One more thought from him, and then then let's engage, uh, although there's quite a bit more that he said. Can we not adjust uh, in terms of evolution quick enough to not destroy ourselves? I think a lot of us can, and a lot of us can't. Well, that ain't going to be enough. Right. I think there are a lot of people. I mean, you can, there are, you know, half a dozen things I could probably point out are known terrible habits. The information is absolutely out there. There is no logical argument in their favor, and millions and millions of people do them. 
because they're not smart enough, they're not strong enough, um, they don't care, they're hopeless, they just they'd rather have pleasure than 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 long term success and pleasure, whatever. Yeah, but this isn't like opioid use or drugs or drinking or smoking or any of those things. This this affects all of our politics, all of our buying decisions, the way we raise children, well, right? Just th- everything. Well, I think it's very much like those other things, but very different in its effect. I, I totally get your point. He says your behaviors—you don't realize it, but you're being programmed. It was unintentional, but now you've got to decide how much you are willing to give up, how much of your intellectual independence. He referred to Facebook, among others, said his children aren't allowed to use that s. Whoa. So one of the guys, the early founders of Facebook, says he won't let his kids use Facebook. The former Facebook exec's thoughts follow comments from the network's first president, Sean Parker, the guy we referred to in November, revealed he believes the constant need for validation via social media was possibly rewiring human brains. Possibly. Quote, the thought process that went into these applications, Facebook being the first of them, was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible, Parker said. I don't know if I really understood the consequences of what I was saying because of the un- unintended consequences of a network when it grows to a billion or two billion people and it literally changes your relationship with society, with each other. It probably interferes with productivity in weird ways. God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. Now, after sli- slamming Facebook's psychological model, Palahapitaya underscored the company, quote, overwhelmingly does good in the world, while at the same time highlighting the need for users to, quote, take hard breaks from the app. I'm not sure you can trust people with something that intoxicating. Maybe the great dividing line in humans might be those who can uh, subordinate short-term pleasure for long-term success and those who can't. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. That is a hell of a deal, though. We'll, you know, let's paste the paste. Let's post that article uh, for folks so they can t- take a look at it at ArmstrongAndGettyRadio.com. It'll be up there within ten minutes or so. That's chilling stuff, huh? Well, yeah, it has such an effect on, for instance, our news and politics as we know over the, over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it destroys all journalism which it may have done <laughs> or is doing to where we all just get into camps where we just repeat stuff that we believe, whether it's true or not, mm-hmm. uh, that's over. You can't run a, you can't run a democracy like that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Every time I see an app, you know, I have a fair number of news apps on my phone, as you might imagine. Um, and Every time they make it clear to me, or I realize, or I see in the description that, and we customize the news feed to your interests, I think, oh, no, don't do that. Right. Please don't do that. Yeah. Because it ranges from, you know, it's no secret I swing more conservative of a particularly libertarian bent of conservative. I don't care what you do as long as you don't hurt me or steal anything, and I want the government to be very small and non-intrusive. But anyway, everybody knows I swing that way, and and after a while, your news feed just gets, uh, you know, uh, what's a mono uh, monochromatic, and or when I first got the Yahoo News thing. Evidently, the Niners were really good at the time, and I clicked on a couple of football stories, and now like sixty percent of my stories are about football. I don't care. I don't care if, like, the Eagles wide receiver tweaked his knee. I don't care. But now I've got to somehow get that to stop. 
So, so on, cut it out. But on, don't base a man's entire career on a dead dumb Yahoo commercial. That, that's a good point, Coach. Thanks. I was on one of the Trump tweets today, and so I was looking at some of the responses, and they're they're either most of the responses are either over the top Trump haters or over the top Trump fans. Right. Um. Uh, like uh, I, I was seeing nothing but dullards. I mean, either direction. And one of them was it was a retweet of a supposed Hillary Clinton tweet that to me immediately obviously was phony. But it was Hillary Clinton tweeting. Pipe bomb in New York City. Imagine if he'd had a silencer, how much worse it could have been. Now, somebody put that together as a, a shot at Hillary Clinton because she said that sort of thing about the shooting in Las Vegas. And right. it was an attempt to, to, to put her out there as a know-nothing about guns and that whole argument. Right. But somebody made up that tweet from Hillary Clinton about the bombing right. yesterday. It doesn't even make any sense. Uh, no. And then there are a bunch of responses. From, I, can't, I can't believe there's no limit to how stupid this woman is. Or somebody please tell me that's not true. And just, just lots of responses from people. Yeah. If people are buying that sort of obvious to me crap and responding to it and then telling their friends, yeah, Hillary's so stupid, or just thinking that. Yeah. Well, well, well. Or about Trump with made-up stuff. I don't understand how we get anywhere. I don't see how democracy works with that. Well, it barely works at all. (laughs) It barely worked before. Yeah, uh, if your wishes are the father of your thoughts to the extent that you can't recognize that crap, well, then I don't know what to do for you. And you know what? Us, not for us. I I wish it were just, you know, you want to live your life that way? Fine. But that's not the way it's going to work. People are voting this way, making all their decisions this way, based on just crap. Non-existent information. It's the nature of democracy. And it's probably worse in some ways now because it can spread so quickly. I'd say. And and it can go viral. Um, But it's kind of the same old problem with participatory uh, government that's always been. It's all about mobilizing the mob. Frighten the mob into voting one way or the other. So the story CNN got wrong last week about... um... Oh, they're terrible. Uh, one of the Trump boys sent an email that was the smoking gun in the whole Russian collusion thing. They got right. the date wrong, so it turned out it's not only not the smoking gun, it's just completely not anything. It's not a gun. <laughs> yeah, it's not even a gun. So it's they got a, a complete smoking wrong. hot dog. It'd be been overdone on the grill. So CNN. How good are hot dogs on the grill? Aren't they great? Hardly anything better. Oh, my God. What Especially since I started putting relish on them. I'd never put relish on oh, my really? hot dogs at home. Welcome. Just mustard. But now I've gone relish. Oh, it's relish. Just... And, well, you're not an onion man. i got to no. have onions. Oh, my God. I when know. I did the seven hot dogs over Fourth of July weekend. I remember it well. Seven in one sitting. Yes. I did relish yeah, on all of them. And mustard? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a good tube steak. Right Let me know there. when you get to 63 in a week. <laughs> that's true. You did set the standard for that. I'll yeah. finish my thought on the whole CNN fake news thing. Because uh, uh, it fits in a little bit with this Google story. How Google handled the bombing in New York yesterday, and it's um, it's just a problem with the way Google works and the way we take in news now. I don't know what yeah. to do about that either. Well, and CNN does absolutely deserve a real kicking. Oh, yeah. So let's take our time and enjoy it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to kick someone, really wind up and oh, yeah. let it sink into the toe of your boot. Oh, easy now. What? CNN's as deserving as anyone. Stay with us. Warlock Hunt. Two separate words. Warlock Hunt. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
judge. And uh, I, I read this piece um, written by a woman by the name Claire Berlinski called uh, The Warlock Hunt. It's an intriguing uh, thought piece. That, What's a uh, warlock? Change... <laughs> I don't know what a warlock is. <laughs> I see how you're working. I will not fall into your little trap, sir. Call the FCC! <laughs> Please. Uh, we did get this text. I heard it, and it's fine. Michael Hunt? <laughs> Thank Texas you for... Uh, Michael. For writing, Michael. Um, so we've been playing this clip all morning long. Roy Moore's wife yesterday in Alabama. We uh, originally thought it was just like and she was a trying to do good and she did more harm than good. It was horrifying. Oh, my God, the crowd groans. Now, we've had a bunch of you texters think, no, it's clearly a joke. She's making a joke. So I brought it up on the TV so we can watch it as we listen to it and okay. see if we can tell by her facial expression or whatever, get a better idea. Is she making a joke? Is it a shot at the media? Right. So here's a little Roy Moore with, uh, I think, the CBS anchor and then her. If you don't believe in my character... Don't vote for me. Moore's wife, Kayla, defended her husband against allegations of sexism, racism, and anti-Semitism, which she blamed the media for spreading. Also, I just want to set the record straight while they're here. She's waving to the media. One of our attorneys is a Jew. It's a joke. Clearly, when you it see the video, it's clearly a joke. It's clearly, oh my uh, God, you stupid morons in the media. Yeah, it's clearly a joke when she does it. When you what? Don't you think, Sean? I. I she's did. doing the. Did Trump, you see it? She's doing the Trump thing where she takes it. She's looking at the media and waving at him, which yeah. he worked to his advantage during the campaign. And so she's trying. I'm not saying it's a good idea, right? Like, or a good joke. I didn't <laughs> just. Uh, yeah, I never came from it from the point that I thought it's just a bad. Method. It's it's whatever she was trying to do. I don't think she succeeded in it. You know, but it, it, I took it as just a ham-handed, idiotic attempt to dispel the rumor with the classic uh, oh, "I got a black friend" uh, thing. Um, and that was the way it was portrayed to me, and and when I heard it, and where I heard it, and the rest of it, which is weird because where I heard it first leans uh, Trump's way, but it was clearly a sarcastic joke. Still not sure it was a good idea. Yeah, but it's different than we thought it was. Yeah, it is different than I thought it was. God, you can't believe anything. And we we perpetrated the fraud, or we we furthered it. You did. I'm a sh- you did. <laughs> What's a warlaw? <laughs> I'm ashamed. Mm. I'm ashamed of what we've done today, mm. as usual. <laughs> Should we? Uh... Like, I don't think the fact that it was intended as a joke makes it any less damaging. Or, of course like... it does. It's completely different. Eh. Eh. <laughs> Turn off yeah, your mic. Yeah, but still is the re- is the retort. Yeah, to that's your retort. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but still. Okay. Switchers, well, don't I'm lose a... it. Well, touche. <laughs> um, and I just saw they put up two polls. One had Jones up by ten. The other one had Moore up by ten. There you go. That's a pretty uh wildly divergent couple of polls. Yep. Yep. So we'll see. Alabama. At least parts of it are Central Time. So the polls won't close until, uh, what, 6 o'clock our time? Is that right? Or 5 o'clock our time. 5? 7 Central, 8 Eastern. 5 o'clock our time. Mm. Is Alabama East Coast time? They are, aren't they? No, it's, no. as I said, no, they're Midwest time. They're Midwest time. At least time. part of it. Uh, ah, Central Central time zone. They're one of those states that's split. Well, I don't know if it is, but at least part of it or all of it is Central time zone. Um, so we'll have to wait. Really? It doesn't seem like it be. should be. Oh, you got Georgia, right? Then you you got do Alabama. have Georgia. Right. Then you got Alabama. Mm-hmm. 
Snow, Louisiana. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, CNN. So CNN, uh, they, they ran with a big breaking news. This could be the smoking gun in the Trump-Russia collusion story. Right. And impeach, they, impeach. And it was about an email between one of the Trump boys and blah, blah, blah. And, and they got the date wrong, so they l- later had to retract it. MSNBC and CBS picked it up and went big with it also. Um, and saying they had independently confirmed, which clearly they hadn't, or they talked to the same source that was wrong or something, right? Because they all had to back off the story and 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 correct it later in the day. And then you've given Donald Trump the hammer to call you fake news because you just ran with something that was crap. Right. And and a lot of people are asking the question: Is is this just making mistakes as happens, or is this? Uh, you're not doing as good a job as usual because you're so excited about the news. They didn't seem to make this many mistakes covering Barack Obama, so it's not just now and then you make res- mistakes. Well, I would agree with that 100%. Um, I-, I heard a CNN guy try to spin it. that Well, th- listen, we're engaged in a never-ending search for the truth. You know, the mistakes are evidence that we're not just an echo chamber. We're investigators. We're trying to find the truth. The the mistakes are why you should trust us. I thought, you know, I think I see what you're driving at, but I'm not buying it. Because, yeah, you didn't see CNN making mistake after mistake after mistake attempting to bring down Barack Obama. But the reason I brought this up was their original tweet of... Breaking news, smoking gun in the Russian investigation. That original tweet got retweeted 55,000 times or something like that. Ah, yes. Then the follow-up tweet of, sorry, we got it wrong, we retract that, we had the date wrong, got like five retweets or something. I mean, it was like nobody retweeted that. So right. even if you, even if they legitimately tried to stop it, that's getting to the whole Facebook news traveling around. Wow. People aren't as interested in that story. So, wow. you, so even the retraction from the news organization doesn't help in that matter wow so even if you uh, you get past the traditional allegation on page one retraction on page 17 even if you get past that the viral nature of social media will defeat your even uh, trying to do the right thing how interesting fox had to apologize for friday we went with a story that they had as breaking news um that the accuser in the roy moore case forged something and then they changed it to added to because right Forge leads you to believe is she tried to pretend that was his handwriting, which she says she never tried to pretend that was his handwriting. She just added something to it to remember the date and the place. So saying it was forged made everybody aha when it was Although, when it was. Well, wait a second though. The story about well, facts themselves changed their story, so it's not just me saying. That. Well, yeah, I get that, but and and maybe that was a poor choice of words. But the story was out there for weeks. And it relied at least partly on the date and location part of the inscription to give it its significance. So that one's kind of in she, both camps, if you know what I mean. So do you think she made a mistake by letting that hang out there and not clarifying it? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I wasn't following it close enough to, to know. I don't think she she in, intentionally claimed that he wrote that. But when people ran with that, she didn't straighten it out, certainly. Could be. Hard to say. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, it was obviously a yearbook. So, you know, if you are toting around your yearbook at age 24, you're a weirdo. But <laughs> part of the significance of that was look at that. <laughs> Here's evidence. When he was going to that restaurant, when she was 16 years old, he was hitting on her. Sick. Yeah. 
And Fox Sad. said they Fox says they shouldn't use the word forge. Yep, fair enough. What's our uh, coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Roy Moore proves he is the rootinest, tootinest candidate around. We're going to get into that. We got President Trump versus Senator Gillibrand. Battle is really on now. And another FDA warning: don't, don't eat the silver sprinkles. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Don't. Eat the silver sprinkles. I remember them as a kid. They were the crunchy ones on top of the cupcake. I don't remember that. Uh, Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Yeah, so uh, yesterday after the terror attack on Google in the early um, um, minutes and hours, the stuff at the top of the search, if you were to search on Google about New York City bombing or whatever, you got crap. You got stuff from the least uh, respectable or completely made up, in some cases, sources out there Mm -hmm. just because of the algorithms of Google. Now, that happened after the Vegas shooting, and they said they were going to do something to try to fix that, but they clearly still haven't. Because all legitimate news organizations hold back. They don't really put any info out there. Mm -hmm. So your Google search on Bomb Attack New York City brings forward the only people that are willing to say crap, and some of them just make stuff up. So your top search hits after a big event are, by definition... Fake news, yeah, or or really misleading, right? News. Which reminds me of our previous conversation because you know I just go by those. I'm not going to click on them just because they're first. You know, right. I know right. what sources I like, but you know, not everybody does that. Or, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but they, we got to fix that somehow. I don't know. Maybe they don't. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, Roy Moore has just arrived on horseback a few minutes ago to cast his vote in the Alabama yes! Senate runoff election. Hey, we're going to have to move back, gentlemen. Let him through. Let him through. The former Alabama <laughs> Chief Justice. What a shtick. I ride my horse to the ballot box. <laughs> He's the rootinest. He's a tootinest senatorial candidate west of the Pecos. More arriving at the rural polling station aboard a brown and white horse. Moore and Democrat Doug Jones battling to fill the seat left vacant when Jeff Sessions became the U.S. Attorney General. Jones is a varmint, and I'm going to do what I does to varmints. Man, he's uninspiring, I'll tell you that. I gave him a good listen yesterday yeah. on the stump, and he just got no game. Mm. He just kind of stands there with his paunch and his microphone like down at west waist level, and I'm going to show the people of Alabama that, and it's just, oh my God, seriously, really? dude, this oh, is yeah. just... This is on a platter for you. One of the best gigs in the world, in world history. Right there on a platter. Come on. Show a little life, dude. But he ain't got it. Well, I got to tell you, it is on this morning. Senator uh, Kirsten Gillibrand firing back at President Trump's tweet that uh, attacked her this morning. A a sexist smear. I mean, that's what it is. And it's part of the president's effort at name-calling. Speaking to reporters on Capitol Hill today, the New York Democrat responding to Trump's tweet this morning saying she would come to my office begging for campaign contributions not so long ago and would do anything for them. The president. All right. Did he know that was clearly a sexual innuendo when he wrote it? Did he write it thinking, you know, because she's a typical politician, she'll do anything for a dollar? And then look at it and thought, wait, oh my God, that sounds like she'd be willing to perform a sexual act. And then think, <laughs> and keep it in there. Or was he completely oblivious? I'm going with the first one. Three choices. Did it intentionally. Yeah. Okay. Well, this one. Knowing, knowing that he could claim the other. Right. 
Because that's what that's what might be his greatest expertise. He can say racially tinged things, sexually tinged things, accusation against people of various things. But give himself some wiggle room all the time. So the people he wants to take it a certain way can, yeah. Yeah. but he has plausible deniability. Yeah. He's, no, he's good at that. A yeah. president put the phrase and would do anything for him in parentheses. Gillibrand urging Congress to investigate sexual harassment allegations leveled at the president. These allegations should be investigated. They should be investigated thoroughly. Uh, that is the right thing to do, and I am urging them to do that, and as should their constituents. Back and forth and back and forth. Get new research that says rigorous exercise can help delay the progression of Parkinson's disease. They did a study of more than 100 Parkinson's uh, patients. They found high-intensity workouts three times a week were both safe and able to slow the disease. Work was done at Northwestern Medicine the University of Denver. Say the key is to get your heart rate up between 80 and 85% of your max heart rate which often means you're going to be exercising at a level that makes you sweat and breathe heavily. But they did find it was slowing down the progression of the disease. Exercise that doesn't make you sweat or breathe heavily is... I don't know how much good that is. That's called napping. (laughs) They say getting up and moving is really good for certain aspects of health. You know, even just taking a walk is better than not taking a walk. But So they're talking about, you know, real exercise. Mm. Right. FDA is warning us all once again, don't eat the silver sprinkles. Just because they're sparkly don't mean they're good for you. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration says the silver sprinkles simply are not edible. (laughs) They got really popular. They got really popular in the 1970s. And even back then, the FDA said they're just decorative. They're a non-food item. Well, then why are they on food? What am I going to pick each one off? What food are they on? Cupcakes. Cakes. Yes. Oh, they're shiny little silver sprinkles. I mean, you got your colored sprinkles. They're fine. But then you sprinkle some of the silver ones on top. Oh. Then you got something. You feel regal. But they're not edible. (laughs) What gives them Which is really not a good uh, thing for a food. I'm William Devane for silver (laughs) sprinkles. (laughs) What gives them their sheen, they happen to be coated in metal. California, the only state that's banned the sale of the silver sprinkles since a lawsuit in 2003 purported they were harmful if ingested. Well, I'm not, uh, you know, a nanny law sort of guy, but if it's not edible, then it probably shouldn't be on food. (laughs) Probably not. I I wonder what they did to me. You know, because I ate those as a kid more than than once. They were completely... Well, not completely tasteless. They had a weird, chalky taste. <laughs> Metallic. They, almost zinc-like. Well, they, yeah, yeah, they were a little zinky, yeah. a little mercury-y. Lead-like. Um, a little lead-like. But they didn't taste like food. Kind of lead dipped in zinc. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Leady, zinky. You know what I realized last... Yeah. of North Korea, we have imposed the toughest ever sanctions passed by the United Nations Security Council, and we have a lot of other sanctions, but you know, I don't know that sanctions are going to work with him. We got to give it a shot. You know, we'll see. Who knows? I just tell you folks, you're in good hands. That's all I can say. 
You can't say you're in good hands right after a sentence that makes it clear we're not in good hands. That's like saying, I'm good to drive, and then sticking your keys into the gas tank. <laughs> I like that part of it. <laughs> I'm okay to drive. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Mario Batali has been suspended as a celebrity chef. Oh, no. The world of chefdom is now affected. For some sort of sexual misconduct. You know, it's funny. I just assumed it was. Yeah, okay. Stuck his ladle in her sauce or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. Just like in prison. Proud of yourself? <laughs> I don't think that's... that's... It's not right. That's not the way you're supposed to. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. Check the scoreboard. I'm in the lead, baby. <laughs> Two to nothing. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, boy. So Craig, the Obamacare lawyer, sent this to us. Um, he's uh, studying uh, best he can uh, the the new tax plan. We're going to be talking to Speaker of the House Paul Ryan tomorrow at 620. Yeah, maybe. Uh, theoretically. Maybe say, hey, Craig, what would you specifically like, like us to ask? Well, Craig sent along something from the Wall Street Journal. People are actually tearing apart this tax plan now, not just in the classic political sense, but actually doing the math and going through the formulas and, and studying the math, et cetera, et cetera. And there are some serious quirks they're going to have to unquirk. Um. Some higher income business owners could face marginal tax rates exceeding 100% under the Senate's tax bill. Well, that hurts. Well, that's a stiff rate. I've given you everything I made, and I owe you more. I don't know where that's going to come from. As lawmakers rush to write the final tax bill over the next week, they're already looking at changes to prevent this from happening. How much time do we have, Michael? Because I can... Summarize yeah, three minutes so far. Oh, good, thoughts. good, good. Uh, broadly, House and Senate Republicans are trying to reconcile their bills, looking for ways to pay for eliminating the most contentious proposals. So, it results the the tax rate, the marginal tax rate of more than a hundred percent, results from the combination of tax policies designed to provide be- benefits to businesses and families, but then to deny them to the richest people. But as income climbs and those breaks phase out, each dollar of income faces regular tax rates, and then a hidden marginal rate on top of that, et cetera, et cetera. Here's your example. You got, for instance, a self-employed New Jersey lawyer with th- three children earning $615,000. Okay, making a good living. But let's not get into class warfare here. Beware of class warfare. Getting $100 more in business income would force the lawyer to pay $105.45 in federal and state taxes, according to calculations by the Tax Foundation, who learn lean uh, conservative. That's more than double the, what the tax rate's supposed to be, the marginal tax rate. If the New Jersey lawyer's stay-at-home spouse wanted a job, the first $100 of her wages would require $107.79 in taxes, the first $100. Um, and tax rates for similarly I'm situated not going to work then. <laughs> no, well, no, and actually, on a more serious note, they make that point, and we'll get to that. But and the tax rates for similarly situated residents of California and New York City would be even higher. The Tax Foundation found. Jeez, honey, I, I went to work today, and now we owe money. Right. Ah. We're ten dollars behind. I better go back tomorrow. <laughs> this doesn't seem to be working. Analysis. I better take on more hours. Analyses by the Tax Policy Center, which is run by a former Obama administration official, found similar results, with marginal tax rates as high as 85%, and those don't include items like state taxes, self-employment taxes, or the phase-out of child tax credits. Well, um, the bill is written, and this is, see, this is, I don't, I don't mean to be hurtful to anybody, but 
the way a lot of tax policy is pitched is really populist and sounds good on the surface. But if you actually look at it for 10 minutes, you realize, oh, wait, that's a bad idea. Well, isn't it compounded by the fact that it's usually not, I, I don't think it is in this case, it's not a comprehensive, all of the parts fitting together thing. It's different people with different agendas and putting that stuff together. Absolutely correct. Yeah. It's like in, trying to integrate Apple parts on a Windows computer. Yeah. You just ended up with something that doesn't work. The bill as written would provide incentives for business owners to shift profit across calendar years, move personal expenses inside the business, and engage in other economically unproductive, unproductive maneuvers. That's quoting a tax law uh, profit, Indiana University. I would expect a huge tax gaming response once people fully understand how it works. The payoff for gaming is huge within the set of people who face, who face both these rates and have flexible enough business structures. She's going to need a um, lawyer more than ever. Yeah, and, and they make the point, and this is true of so many taxes and tax loopholes that you have the old uh, benefits cliff or welfare cliff, what do they call it, where if, if you're on welfare and you take a job and you get a raise, you will lose enough in benefits that you're better off not taking that raise, not taking on the responsibility, not advancing your life. And that's just absolutely terrible. And they point out that there are a hell of a lot of disincentives for additional economic activity in this tax code. You raise taxes on cigarettes, why? Because you get less smoking. You raise taxes on jobs, what do you get less of, folks? It's not complicated. Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, on the Armstrong and Getty Show tomorrow morning at 6.20. So we'll talk to him about a bunch of stuff. And now, final thoughts with Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty on the Armstrong and Getty radio program. Here's your host, Joe Getty. (laughs) Thank you, uh, old-timey guy. Positive Sean, what's your final thought? Yeah, I recently signed up for the Hulu. I'm catching up on some Hulu shows. The thing that I'm really enjoying right now, The Runaways. I just wanted to give a shout-out. It's, uh, it's a comic book TV show, but it's really good. It's kind of a fun uh, fun premise. Check it out if, if that's your thing. Mars and Phillips. aside, oh. I just got to charged for my monthly Hulu bill. Hey. I've, yet, I've yet to watch a show on Hulu. Check out Runaways. I just pay for it every month. <laughs> Marshall Phillips, final thought. Already got the soundtrack for my next Gourmand Challenge. Hambone, Hambone, where you been? Homemade split pea ham bone soup. Round the world and back again. Where in the my, old ham bone? Where my apron bumping Just and like cooking in, in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Michelangelo, awesome. final thought. Uh, two to one, I guess. Uh, th- <laughs> Thirteen days till Christmas, so let's hope your neighbor goes on vacation soon, or it's no Christmas tree this year. You have to think about that one. All right, will do. Jack, final thought. Yes, I get to introduce my children to the wonderful world of donuts today. Oh. Maybe I'll put a poll on Twitter. Should I go with the chocolate, <laughs> the powdered sugar, or let them have one of each? Although The crumb? What about the crumb? Yes. I'm afraid that... Uh, Those are crumb cakes, aren't they? I'm afraid the state will take my kids away if I let them have both. Are there cinnamon donuts? Surely not. Uh, my final thought... Um. Yeah, I don't have time for that. Well, we'll get to it tomorrow. What the hell's the point anyway? Wow. Cry for help at the end of the show. I'm on a warlock hunt. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. You'd understood if you'd listened to the whole show. Where were you? See you tomorrow for the more Jones results on the Armstrong and Getty Show. God bless America! This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. 
the fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here! Get! Get! And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over! Bye-bye. I'm glad you're working tonight, but you have to be so tiny. Hambone, hambone, what do you say? Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.